Hi, I'm Cesar Rubio, and this is Masonic Muscle, Episode 3. The number three is important to Freemasonry. Man, right off the bat, right? We're starting, we're getting into it. Why? Why is the number three important to Freemasonry? I don't know. Nobody knows. I read all kinds of stuff. I've you know, and there's some really good, you know, symbol symbolism behind it. There's good explanations, but but nobody can agree. And that's one of the draws of, of Freemasonry, but also one of the setbacks in, in my opinion. All we do know is that for some reason, the creators of the three degree system chose three degrees instead of one, two, or even five. That's what we do know. It started with one, which was actually, you know, there are elements of all three within them with that, within that one uh, degree, that one ceremony. And then later on it developed into two and then finally three. They say that Masons do everything in threes, but is that true? I used to like saying that a lot of Freemasons, you know, Masons do everything in threes, eh? but is that true? Uh, we don't know, but if you don't ask, that's, that's my point of bringing that up and asking. If you don't ask the who, what, where, why, and how of any topic, then you won't get any answers of any worth. You'll just stay stuck in, in your same point of knowledge base of knowledge that you're in you got to ask you got to continue to ask you got to question everything for example you might still be asking and you'll continue to ask for a while why masonic muscle why masonic muscle if you don't get it that's a fair question it's a good question actually let's get into it just a little bit before we continue our journey into the mysterious origins of freemasonry some of its history and symbols. All Freemasons, if you think about it, and you sit people down and you begin to delve into some of you, you hopefully you finally come to the conclusion or, or the uh, some kind of understanding that Masons are in the process of building King Solomon's temple. And through the degrees, they were given certain tools to go and accomplish this very important task. They, the tools, some of the tools are the square, level, plumb, common gavel, 24-inch gauge, and other tools to use and master. That's on the Masonic side. On the exercise side, Exercise gives you tools to begin to build your best body, to build your temple. I'm pretty sure you've heard of that expression before. And Jacqueline used to give that example a lot, to build up your temple, to build up the temple that God gave us. And both of those can only be sustained by discipline and near maximum effort Virtually every day of a man's life. You hear people all say, oh, I'm a Mason for life. and I'm working on myself. And, but if, if you truly did, then you'd be given this maximum effort. You, you, would, you would begin to develop the discipline. And a lot of the things that we see in lodges would begin to disappear. 
Freemasonry has three pillars symbolizing wisdom, strength, and beauty. And the three pillars of health are exercise, nutrition, and sleep. The first pillar of health is exercise. You must get out there and move. You must push yourself. Get the blood circulating. Fill your lungs up with fresh air. Get some sun rays and commit to obtaining better health. You have to create momentum. Again, our brother, Jacqueline Lane, for those of you who didn't know, Jacqueline Lane was a Mason and the godfather of modern fitness. He said he had a saying that exercise is king, nutrition is queen. You marry those two and you have your kingdom. Remember that. So there is your first connections between masonry and muscle building. In our previous episode, we discussed three main ideas. The first one was the first time that the word Freemasonry was mentioned uh, was in the Regis Manuscript of 1390. The Seven Liberal Arts and Sciences was also mentioned. In a 1610 manuscript, we learned that Freemasonry had always been associated with the Seven Liberal Arts and Sciences. Now, I may have been off a little with the first time the word Freemasonry was used. I found an article on a website called Freemason Information. And the name of the article was the origin of the word Freemason. And it says that in 1350, that was more than likely the first time we get something resembling this word. As certain Masons were called Master freestone masons and this is the probable origin of the term freemason so it was actually earlier than 1390 it was 1350 and it's not exactly freemason but it's master freestone masons the second thing we went over was the possible influence the benedictine cistercian and templar orders had on masonic usages rituals, and customs. Note, I did forget to mention the Terronensians, who were another Catholic order and were a reformed Benedictine, Benedictine order. And the third thing we went over was how the seven liberal arts and sciences have been associated with Freemasonry since at least 1610, if not earlier. We went over the power of the trivia method, seven liberal arts and sciences having two, two, uh, two separate sides, right? The trivium and the quadrivium. The trivium is grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And through the use of grammar, logic, and rhetoric, you, you help strengthen your critical thinking skills. It's more of a dialectic, like the Socratic method. And so this, this was tied into Freemasonry starting in 1610 in one of their manuscripts. And the question was why, if this is so, then why aren't more Masonic lodges actively engaged in this practice and providing its members with this type of education? And so through this type of Socratic style discussion, trivium style discussion that 
I am wanting to open up. And when I began to have guests, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be in that style. What's going to begin to happen is that we're going to begin to build up your fortitude as we continue our mission of diving into the mysterious origins of Freemasonry. And again, fortitude being one of the four cardinal virtues, right? Temperance, fortitude, prudence, and justice. The fact that the writers of the Regis Manuscript of 1390 and the Wood Manuscript of 1610 talked about Masonry, the seven liberal arts and sciences, but especially geometry, leads one to question why they would want to make a connection between them. These manuscripts talk about a lot of things, but these two are of interest to me and many other Masons that I've talked to and also when I got online and researched it and books that I have, it was of interest to many others, not just me. The Regis manuscript origins are not known, as I mentioned in the last podcast. The manuscript was recorded in various personal inventories as it changed hands until it came into possession of the Royal Library, which was donated to the British Museum in 1757 by King George II to form the nucleus of the present British library. Now let's, let's delve into that just a little bit. The manuscript was recorded in various personal inventories as it changed hands until it came into possession of the Royal Library. So a lot, there's a lot of information out there, obviously. It doesn't take a genius to come to that conclusion that is not easily accessible to us or plainly stated plainly, we will never come into possession of. So we will always have that piece missing from our understanding. And there are many personal libraries out there. And there was a time, like, like we learned in school, when the printing press came out, that not everybody could afford a book. And so having books and having a personal library, having a personal library of 30 books, 50 books at a time was a you know, was a mark of uh, wealth, but also not everybody could read and write. So, so you see how information could easily get funneled toward a particular, you know, particular group of people. And they had this knowledge that nobody else had. And we know this. They tell us at least that much in our, in our education, but they never really tell us how it's detrimental to the development of our understanding and our ability to understand the world around us because of the lack of this information. So keep, keep that in mind because just as there were other documents in possession of these royals and, and popes and cardinals or the people who can read uh, and they would withhold that information from us, it's still happening today. And it's no different in Freemasonry. The same thing happened. Another thing interesting about the Regis Manuscript is that it describes how Euclid counterfeited geometry and called it masonry for the employment of the children of the nobility in ancient Egypt. I want you guys to keep that in mind as we progress through this story because Egypt has played a pivotal role in the origin theories of Freemasonry from early on and became the core theme of a book that came out in 1996 by uh, Christopher Knight and Robert Lomas called the Hiram Key. 
this is one of my favorite books, along with Born in Blood and other books of that nature. But this, this book, just like Born in Blood, created a, a sensation. But it was quickly downplayed by most Masonic authorities. They said it was not scholarly, that it was fanciful, that there was all kinds of wild speculations. And, 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 and then this, this, you know, this happens again and again and again, especially when it begins to threaten the narrative, right? And so it's easy to begin to throw out stuff just to shut people up and stop questioning or prying eyes. Some of the critique was, I think was valid, but others was invalid, especially with Freemasonry being what it is. It's already controversial. And you're supposed to be speculative Mason. You're supposed to be speculating. Uh, and then they come and shut you down and say, stop speculating. This happens a lot, not just in Freemasonry. Which brings me to another point about Freemasonry. The exposés that were written about it. Exposés about the fraternity have been written almost from the beginning of the Grand Lodge era of 1717. This is nothing new. But they almost always get shot down as not true or very poorly, poorly researched at best. And so delving into these exposés may be in the cards for this podcast in the future, because some of what has been exposed, revealed by these books and documents is tantalizing, uh, to say the least. And again, when you join the craft, this is very, very mentioned, let alone what we're talking about, what we've been talking about in the last two episodes. I, I know that too many Masons out there, they may, not, they may be put off by hearing that Freemasonry has been influenced by Catholicism, since Catholicism, since the Catholic Church is staunchly opposed to Freemasonry. This is true. This is true. And, and the only thing that I have to say right now about that is that if Freemasonry made itself known to the world or to that part of the world in 1717, and the Catholic Church issued its encyclical against Freemasonry in 1738, which was 21 years later, why did they take so long? What did they discover about Freemasonry? Who is Freemasonry connected to according to this research? Why are they such a big threat to the church? And, and you know, questions like that. When will the church let us see the actual research they did and their findings so that we may learn the truth about this? 21 years is a long time, guys. And they must have dug in deep. And I'm pretty sure that the monks that the Pope put on the task of doing this research and investigation were well-educated, trained, and disciplined. The Jesuits are the best people for the, this type of job. And if they were part of this investigation, I'm sure that they did their job thoroughly because they, these, these, uh, these monks are exceptional, exceptionally trained, well-educated, and they do know about the trivium and, and how to do it. That, this is just food for thought as we keep moving on. And even though I, 
I brought up a few things that may seem unconnected. They are. This serves to help us stay focused and working our little lizard brains. Which brings me to something I read years ago in an article about why Freemasonry is struggling and is still struggling now as you listen to this podcast. It mentions several factors, but the one that really struck out, struck me, was this. It said that Freemasonry can't be all things to all people. And a Masonic Lodge cannot be all things to all people. And I think this applies to many organizations. This applies to friendship, you know, families. It applies to a lot of things because it helps to keep you focused. All right. Well, what does that mean? It can't be all things to all people. Well, well, it, it means to stop trying to please everyone. Because when you do that, you end up pleasing no one. And if you listen to Dan Pena, the trillion dollar man, he says, stop being a pleaser. That's why you're effing poor and are failing. If you don't believe me, go and look him up. And he's, that's exactly what he's going to say over and over and over again. So what does that mean? It means to find out what you want to do and then find a way to get it done. And if it doesn't work, try again. Stop trying to please everybody. You must fail and fail quickly so that you can learn what works and what doesn't. This podcast is not for everyone. And some of you will not like what I have to say. If that's the case, go listen to someone else. It's that easy. This podcast has a particular focus. And from time to time, we will delve outside of that point within the circle. But... For the most part, we will stay focused on the point within the circle. The Regis Manuscript of 1390 was in all probability written by a priest at a time when England was still under Catholic rule, and many of the craftsmen building the monasteries and other stately edifices, some of which were aligned to certain astronomical times of the year, like a solstice or, or equinox, or maybe some other important you know, day of the calendar for them, but they, they aligned them to these moments of, of the year. The men who became stonemasons within this monastic system began to go through a ritual that may have been derived from the same rituals that the Cistercian and Benedictine monks go through. Not exactly, you know, but it, it, could, it could have been inspired by it. It was all they knew at the time. This would make sense when you consider that the origin of the word Freemason probably came from, like I said earlier, Master Freestone Mason, which we do find in 1350 on statutes of builders' guilds. I mentioned an author last episode, Alberto Moreno Moreno. He's the author of a new book that just came out called The Rule of St. Benedict and Masonic Ritual. And in it, he says that the ritual to make new fellow crafts did not happen for religious purposes, but just for what I just said, for a very practical reason. Stonemasons needed a ceremony to make their new fellow craft masons, and they adopted the rituals that they were used to seeing and were familiar to them. That's from page 14 and 15 of said book. With there being over 100 old charges for new masons, 
the Regis manuscript being the, the oldest one of them, we have to wonder why these men went out of their way to write them and then hold them in such veneration. When Dr. Anderson, I'm going a little bit forward in time here, when Dr. Anderson was commissioned to revise these old constitutions, not to write a new constitution, but to revise the older constitutions, he began to ask around to get a hold of them for study. And this alarmed some of these older lodges, and some of them went, some of them went even so far as to destroy their copies, to not let anyone get a hold of them. What was written in these documents? What possible secrets or, I don't know, maybe something embarrassing? We don't know, but we do know that they took this drastic action. Even Dr. Anderson mentions this in his writings and how this caused alarm among the brethren, but more on that later in future episodes. The point of all this is to show that there is this stream of knowledge that most Masons never get unless his attention is directed to it. It's like right underneath the surface of it. It's, it's there, but, but if nobody points your attention to it, you, you'll never see it. You'll never get it, which will cause you to begin to have a different sense of reality for, for this organization and, and what you want to get involved in. I don't know if this is done on purpose, but I can say, like I was saying right now, that our perception of reality is created according to the available information at our fingertips. If we can have all kinds of material to read, but if it is out of sequence, if certain pieces are missing, or if facts are omitted, then our perception of reality will be incomplete without us even knowing it. I mentioned it last episode, but this will be with us for a long time, and that is taking control of your health and fitness. Kind of jump from one thing to another, right? Leaving you hanging, a cliffhanger. But we got to get into the fitness part. Starting a routine is as easy as walking every day for 20 to 30 minutes to beginning with or going a little more intense and doing a bodyweight routine three times a week to begin to build up your temple. Get healthier, get stronger. Strengthen your immune systems, man. Become pillars of strength for yourself first, then your friends and family. You must become selfish in this regard. Dan Pena says that all the time. You have to be more selfish. You're so busy trying to please everybody else that you're not taking care of yourself now. And that's no good because things get out of control really quick. You got to keep it tight. Remember, remember that first pillar of, of health? It's exercise. Strengthen that pillar and then build on it. If you need inspiration or if you need to know what to do, do what I do. Watch videos from C.T. Fletcher, Kelly Muscle, Big Boy and the Strength Cartel, Iron Wolf, and Burpees King, and get inspired, motivated. And the best thing to do is to get desperate, like Dan Pena says, because when you're desperate, you're going to take action. You're going to do something about it, and you're going to begin to act on that. Got it? Thanks for listening. And see you next episode as we continue to investigate where Masonic usages, usages originated.
This is Cesar Rubio, and this is Masonic Muscle.